I am absolutely certain right now that my computer is plugged in and charging and at full power. Beautiful. So I don't, I'm probably still going to fuck this up, but I don't know how is the good thing. (laughs) We'll find out. It'll be an adventure. Hello and welcome to the Dodge Button Podcast, your podcast for the cheap, old, indie, and on sale. I'm your host, Jordan Hamilton, and I'm here to remind you that no matter who you are or where you are in the universe, the fish will always be punished for it. And I'm your host, Ash Vernon, and this is not the job I applied for. Well, what job did you apply for, Ash? Uh, well, I, I wanted to do archaeology in space, but now I'm <laughs> fighting all of these goblins in the basement, and it's just really... <laughs> a very different vibe and no part of this is in the description and i'm getting paid minimum wage right i'm super not paid enough to to kill goblins to take lives it's really not i'm not <laughs> i don't get paid enough to take lives it's not on the docket for me some uh housekeeping here at the top if um for some reason i end up actually on this recording sounding like i am hacking up my right lung i'm coming off the tail end of a cold i'm gonna try and edit all of it out but if i miss any i'm okay i didn't die in the middle of recording and it's just a cold and it's it's just a cold it's not the it's not the bad one the personal pan pizza the personal pan pizza uh okay so you have a note in the notes i do uh, I, I've been reading like over and over again since you put it in here. And so this is the game I want you to talk about first. Okay. Luckily have... that's the game I'm going to talk about first. Oh, good. Because you have a note here that says, I watched Stargate. You don't have to sell me on this. And, uh, I also watched Stargate and it was probably a foundational piece of fiction in my life. So oh, it certainly was in mine. Please tell me about, <laughs> about this game. So uh, I have been playing a game called Heaven's Vault, uh, which was published by Inkle in 2019. Um, it The whole concept of the game is that you are playing an archaeologist, um, but it's a space archaeologist, and you are traveling to neighboring planets, uh, discovering the remnants of old civilizations and the sort of crux of, cause it's, it's kind of a puzzle game and a story game at the same time. Um, and the, the crux of your, your daily tasks is that you um, are translating this ancient script. Um, oh, hell yeah. I'm sold cool. already. So like you, as you pick up, pieces of crockery or whatever you find little scraps of uh writing on them and you have to put them together the thing is you don't um you're learning the language as you find more relics um and so what happens is as you get new words that you've never seen before or new combinations of words um you compare them to words with similar shapes and characters in them and you have to pick what you think is the correct translation. Um, and it will save that translation for you to come back to later, but it will save it with like a question mark. And you can be wrong. 
and you can have several pieces that you have translated incorrectly due to um, a misunderstanding of one of the words that you've picked up. What um, are the what are the consequences of something like that? So there isn't a consequence so far. I mean, I I will admit I did not finish the game. Um, so in my playtime, I think I put seven to ten hours in it. Um, and in my playtime, there were that it's not that there's a consequence. It's just that so like first of all, if you get it really 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 wrong, um, the character will say something like, "I don't think that's right." <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> it up oh hold on a second um they'll be like "Mm, that seems very very suspicious um (laughs) but sometimes you just like don't have what you need to translate it correctly so you keep all of your translations and you can revisit them later so basically what happens is the more things you collect the more context you get for various words and slowly you solidify words so you know you'll read something and the character will be like all right I am pretty confident that my translation of the word river is correct. And so then the question mark will go away from the word river. And then you know that you did it. And that one's safe now. Okay, um, so the, the game does eventually confirm for you that, like, yeah, you, you got it right on this one. Probably. It does. But it doesn't do it. Even if you get it right the very first time, it won't confirm it for you until you've found that word in quite a few texts. Um, so you don't know, like... It, it, okay. it, it's a really cool um, system, um, and it's all set, it's all, like, embedded in this story <sighs> where um, the civilization you're from, a lot of people believe in what's called the loop, um, and the concept of the loop is that time is liter- literally a circle, um, and that archaeologists aren't discovering the past, they are... Uh, finding the future essentially that everything that has happened once is hap- is going to happen again and so in some spaces you're kind of like demonized because they feel like you're digging up things we shouldn't know about yet um okay and this is this is a bonkers approach i'm i'm here for this it's really interesting and so and there's where my sort of like mild frustration with the game begins to come into play because mm-hmm. I think the story is really interesting. I think the characters are compelling. I think that the puzzle aspect is like a very cool puzzle. Um, I really, really enjoyed finding things and translating them. Um, the problem comes in sort of a couple different shapes. The The, the parts I, of this game that grade against me are um, one, uh, everything is really spread out. Like for some reason, instead of giving me like the, and this is why, so my note said, I watched Stargate. You don't have to sell me on this, which is the whole, we are in space doing archeology span thing. Um, and I feel like the game isn't confident enough in that concept because I, I felt like it was trying to prove to me how cool that idea was. And I was like, I don't, you don't have to, you don't have to, (laughs) I, this is cool. I'm here. I'm good. Um, and so, like, it, it puts a lot of focus on traveling to a bunch of different planets, but the bunch of different planets only have, like, a handful of things on them each that you can interact with. And it's like, why didn't you give me less locations that were fully packed with shit, you know? Like, why, why do I have to travel to 15 different places 
when I could have found half of the stuff on one. I think I think this game has a scope problem. Um, it very mm-hmm. much feels like it reached, it 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 spread itself so thin, and it had it didn't need to. If it was just a slightly smaller game, it would be really really strong. Um, and it as it was, it kind of frustrated me because I I found the the navigation is really clunky. I hate flying the ship. I hate flying the ship. Um the ship is, is it is what? it like a like a exploration like a like an open world? Yeah, and okay. I don't think it should be. Um, okay. <laughs> or it, it no, never mind. I liked I liked that so part of the way you find where you're going to go to is that as you pick up relics, they talk about other planets and stuff, and you eventually have enough evidence to, like, get coordinates. Or not not exact coordinates, but, like, an area to search. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that idea. I think that's really solid. I just think they made me do it too many fucking times. And also... <laughs> and also... Uh, flying the ship sucks. Flying the ship is like... You remember the gummy ship from Kingdom Hearts? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So take that's that. A, that's the part of Kingdom Hearts that, uh, like, should never have existed. I agree. Now, take that. Remember uh-huh. that. Hold it in okay. your heart. All right. Um, I always do. <laughs> yeah, I've never let it go. It haunts uh-huh. me to this day. I'm, st- I'm still mad about the gummy <laughs> ship. Um, so now, take away the enemies so there's nothing to do. Oh, good. And then make it so that it's possible to get lost. Oh. <sighs> Oh, so so you can end up at a, at a point in the game where you're just kind of floating through space with nothing to do. And I was. Uh, I have a great game for you called Elite Dangerous. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know about Elite Dangerous. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. Is, so the, 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 the space exploration happens on these sort of celestial rivers. So you don't just like navigate through th- through three-dimensional space like you you have a path that you can follow but it branches and it branches constantly and randomly and usually one of the characters will be like hey you need to take a you have a robot and usually your robot will be like you need to turn left here um but a sometimes they say it too fucking late um <laughs> and i'm like thanks for not telling me about the exit asshole um <laughs> and- that's how we already got these problems worked out of the gps right um, and then also sometimes like, so when you get to one of the areas where it's just like a big chunk of, of space that you need to explore, um, they don't know which direction you should turn because you are, you know, just searching. Um, but that means you just wander aimlessly around these big areas for like way too long and there's nothing to do and controlling the ship doesn't feel good. And and so like so I think the problem becomes <laughs> I love that noise you just made. <laughs> I I've made it with my heart, not my vocal cords. Um but like the problem becomes I think this this game this is a game where exploration or like where this is a game about the journey, but the end point is the point, not the journey. You know what I mean? Like this is mm-hmm, a game with mm-hmm. journeying where the point of the journey is where you go. Um, and they've made the journeying part completely untenable. And and I think, I wish I could just like teleport between, like 
they could cut out the inter-trans-dimensional tra- tra- travel entirely. They could just tell me I flew the ship. Like, I don't need to see it. I don't need to do it. <laughs> you can be a cool, cool little cutscene where it takes off, and a cool little cutscene where it flies, a cool little cutscene where it lands. And then and we're there's done. there's a loading screen, and we're done. Right. Um, and then the other problem that this game has um, <laughs> that is less... It's, it's sort of frustrating. It's manageable, but it's like... Um, it becomes kind of a problem if there's a lot going on, especially because it's a story-driven game, is that it's... Uh, so, A, none of the dialogue... Well, pretty much none of the dialogue is voiced, which is fine, except um, speech bubbles progress automatically. They oh, do no. not. They do not stay on screen. They are not speech bubbles. They are just white text on the background, so sometimes you don't spot them. Um, oh, no. And they seem to, so, so like, in the same way that Hades has, like, dialogue that is related to the plot and also just, like, random chatter that mm-hmm. happens in between plot beats, mm-hmm. um, it seems like this game has a sort of similar priority system set up where, like, sometimes your characters will be talking about the thing that's important and sometimes they just, like, chat while you're walking around. Um mm-hmm. But there's some kind of glitch in the prioritizing system, um, and so it will bounce back and forth between those conversations, uh, sometimes with like no, no indication that we've changed into a different kind of dialogue, um, and so they'll just be talking about new things, um, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, and because this, the plot itself is like pretty complex, it was like very difficult to follow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my my like whole feeling about this game is that like the parts of it that work work really really well, and I really want like I wanted to finish this game in like one go. Like I wanted to just d- d- to just devour this game, um, and I couldn't. Like it pushes back against the player and fights against itself way too hard, um, and I found that very frustrating. So I'm very uh, on the fence about the game as a whole. Uh, do you think you're going to go back to it? So I want to. I really want to finish this game. I think the story's really cool. I really enjoy translating things. Um, mm-hmm. But one, I, I really don't know if I will go back to it. Because one, I know it's really frustrating. <laughs> um, especially now that I'm like really like the, the, the rubber's hitting the road on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, because it's so complicated, I am not sure that when I, this was the first game I played when we started this, this round of checkpoints uh-huh. games. Um, and I am genuinely not sure if I will know what the fuck is going on when I pick it back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, Especially with is... the translating stuff. I'm like, will I remember any of the important information I learned on how to translate these, these rooms? <laughs> Uh, this is giving me real No Man's Sky vibes. But that's it for uh, Heaven's Vault. It's I I want to love it so much, and I'm mad at it that it won't let me. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's a real that's a real shame. Um, if you ever see it on sale, it's uh-huh. like I would definitely say it's worth like picking up. I really think it's a smart like cool thing that it does. But like I don't. I, I would just go in knowing that it's got these sort of 
clear shortcomings. <laughs> um, I've been playing like a, a I think a, a much more chill game, Ooh. but it's it's sort of in the same vein, uh, very exploratory. Um, it's like it's, the archaeology in space main. Uh, no, but it is a thing in space. Look at us. We have a brand. I have been playing Intergalactic Fishing. Excellent, Which is yes. uh, a game uh, published and developed by Boat Anchor Games in April 2020. Um, I bought this, like, <sighs> at the beginning of the pandemic. I bought it a couple of days, literally, after it was released. Uh, I've put, like, 50 or 60 hours into it at this point. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun game. It's a game that's really easy to play for long stretches, almost like an idle game. Both of the games that I brought today are uh, almost, all, like, all just this side of idle games. Very um, your brand. Yeah. Um, so Intergalactic Fishing is a fishing simulation, uh, but in space. Um, the way it works and the way it's presented to you is there's this mega corporation that runs this network of teleporters. Um, and you can teleport between all these various lakes throughout the galaxy. Um, and each lake has fish in it. That's pretty, probably pretty self-explanatory so far. <laughs> uh, yep, I, I, I'm following. <laughs> um, it's, it's a really simple game to learn. It's, it's a game you can play one-handed. Like, we know how I feel about games you can play one-handed. This is one of them. Um... And it's really interesting because it's a very, very, like, on the surface, if you just look at it, it looks really simple. Um, the whole thing is, like, top-down. It's got this really cool aesthetic style that's like, reminds me of, um, do you remember making sand art as a kid? Oh, yes. You would, like, pour sand into a bottle in, like, layers. I was all about that. Uh, it looks like that if you were making that. If you could see that kind of art style from the top instead of from the side, it looks like it's got this very like piles of multicolored sand kind of poured on top of each other to oh, cool. look like uh, a lake shore and trees. Um, and they're all very unique. They've all like every lake you go to looks different. The layout is different. The colors are different. I'm like um, Googling this right now because I want to see it. It's very, very cool looking. The rain falls, like there's rain effects, and it falls straight down on screen as opposed to coming in like a sheet. Uh-huh. Um, it's just like a very beautiful game. It's got this very swelling synth structure, and you're fishing. Um, but all of this like really simple and beautiful art, it hides this incredibly deep simulation. Um, and I want to emphasize here that I am not using the word deep as a substitute for realistic. Um, uh-huh. uh, so this is not like a fishing simulator that is for the sort of person who really likes fishing. So this doesn't um, make you feel like Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, I'm well, sorry, you're not, Captain Ahab. Yeah, you're not whaling. This is, this is, sorry, this was a Frankenstein versus the monster situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not whaling, so... <laughs> Not quite. Um, it is really good at... Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, the, the simulation itself, I think, is one of the most interesting parts of this game. So 
the other side of this game besides these this like network of like 50 some odd lakes that you can teleport to is uh, about halfway through the main story the, the main story is very short and compacted i've put about 50 hours into it and i think i've only gotten through i think i've got through like two-thirds of it um which i know i just said it's compact but that's because there's not a lot of actual story to it uh one of the things i really like about this game is the way the story just kind of like is it, it the, st the story is basically a tutorial for the systems and then you get up get to a point where the game is like okay if you want to advance the story you have to use the systems to accomplish a couple of objectives um but one of the things that the story introduces you to is the fact that this mega corporation uh, called ULT, ULT, Universal Lake Transportation or Teleportation Company. Um, it turns out that what they have been doing is finding lakes that have this really rare mineral source in their lake beds called Teleportium. Ah, uh, yes, Teleportium, of course. <laughs> and they've been uh, poisoning these lakes so that the fish die so that they can then buy the lakes at a really cheap price and mine the teleportium out of the bottom of the lakes. Um, and you meet, uh, the, the game starts with you, you're the mayor of your lake being like, hey, we got to try and figure out why all the fish are dying. And you meet another guy who's like, hey, I'm pretty sure you, the fish are dying in your lake for the same reason they died in our lake. And it's because of the Alt Corporation. So this other guy who is part of the TFG, can't remember what it stands for, but he gives you a, like, random teleporter. And this is where the game for me really shines because it's using procedural generation to generate random lakes. Mm -hmm. So you can just press teleport to unknown lake and the game generates a lake for you. But the really cool thing about this is when you get to this lake, every fish that you could potentially catch is already generated every fish that you catch in this game already exists uh, and it's fully simulated where it is in the lake how deep it is in the lake what it's doing at the time and so you could theoretically fish a lake to the point that there are no fish in it um, and the fish will respond to you if you catch a lot of fish in an area uh, they'll stop biting because they will be disturbed by everything that's going on. Um, if you ride around a lot in the lake, you'll disturb the fish. Um, if you, like, uh, catch a fish and then release it, you might disturb some of the fish, so you might not get a bite. So there's all these things that are being simulated under the cover, under the, the cover of this game, um, and then on top of that, there's this really complex and really interesting lure system. So each fitch, each fitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> each <of> a fitch. <laughs> each fish has um, a stat assigned to it, um, and that stat falls between two ends of a spectrum. Uh, and the spectrums are quiet and loud, uh, shiny and dull, um, bright or dark, and large or small. And they all run from 0 to 99. And a fish can have, has four stats that follow there somewhere. And so you can build these lures, and based on what kind of shapes you use and what parts of the lure grid you fill up and what color the shapes are that you use on your lure, you can make these lures 
more or less interesting to certain kinds of fish. So the loop of this game becomes go to a lake, fish in it, and try to catch as many fish as you can so you can learn about them. You catch the fish, you dissect them, you learn more about their feeding habits and where they live and what kind of lures they like. And eventually, you know everything you need to know about these fish, and so you can catch really big fish, or you'll know that the fish in the lake aren't really worth anything, so you might as well move on to another lake. The other thing you can do is, as you're exploring these lakes, you're collecting data on them. And this is the thing that I really liked, where I would spend my time bouncing between these random lakes, finding ones that were worth a lot, and then spending my time filling out the fish data on them so that I could sell this exploration data for a lot of money. Um, and one of the things this game does that I really like is you'll get to a lake, and it'll tell you, like, oh, this lake's boring. This lake's just, like, an average run-of-the-mill lake. You should probably just leave and go find a better lake. And sometimes you'll be like, don't talk about my lake that way. Don't you dare talk about my lake children like that. I will stay at this lake and I will learn everything about it. This is the most beautiful lake that's ever existed. These fish are all precious and I'm going to cut them open and learn about them. <laughs> um, so so how did, it's just like this really great thing where you, you just get to this fake lake and you're like, this is my lake and I'm going to learn every fucking thing I can about it. Um, it's beautiful in that regard. <laughs> problem is that it's really good the, the thing that it does do uh, in terms of realism is recreate the large amounts of nothing that go on when you fish ah I yes I don't, I don't know if, if you are familiar how familiar you are with fishing I don't know how, know how familiar people will be with fishing but it's probably fairly obvious that fishing is a whole lot of nothing and the reason that fishing in real life is still kind of fun when it's a whole lot of nothing is because you're outside, you get to experience the wind and the waves. Normally you're with friends. Disgusting. Right. Gross. But, <laughs> but the, that's the fun part of fishing, right? The thing in a video game is I can't actually go to these other planets and see these other worldly lakes. So sometimes you're just kind of staring at a screen, blindly clicking, and hoping one of these fish will bite your hook. And sometimes they just won't. They just won't. You'll just spend an hour puttering around a lake, changing out pieces of your lures, and you'll catch three fish in an hour, and none of them will be worth any size. Ooh. And so, and so, like, there's a part of me that, like, as a, as a person who... Th enjoys video games as a, an art form or a medium or whatever i think that's so fucking cool because that that in particular is very much fishing <laughs> but really as a gamer soul of fishing right but as a gamer as a quote-unquote gamer as a person who as, plays video games as a oh my gamer it's <laughs> a g-a-y gamer oh my fucking god is that some of the most boring shit on earth uh, I totally understand why I don't actually enjoy fishing. <laughs> um, and that yet being you've said, put 60 hours into this yeah, game. Yeah, there's something about this game that all comes together when you when you spend... So the, the, the thing about those hours that you don't catch any fish, just like when you're really fishing, is that 
and also like even more so than when you're really fishing because you have so much control over where you are and what your lure looks like and 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 what time it is because you you know you can just wait you there's a wait function so if you want to wait for a certain time of day you can just wait for a certain time of day because you can have so much control over that when you do manage to make a lure that reels in you like you figure out a fish is really big like a species of fish gets really big when it's full grown and you figure out it's worth a lot of money and you put two hours of not catching anything into trying to figure out what this fish likes and then when you finally do and you put the lure together and you wait till the the feeding activity is high and you go to the deepest part of the lake and you cast in your sinking lure and you catch like a 15 pound fish that you can sell for like a hundred credits Oh, man. <laughs> the sweet dopamine release. Yeah, I'm just like, I've, oh, I'm the, I'm the master angler. There's no, no one else in the universe can ever come close. No power in the verse can stop me. <laughs> uh, there's just, yeah, I, so you end up putting 50 hours into it. The, and I'm, like, unashamed. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's got, like... Uh, repetition issues. I think that's the biggest thing is it feels very repetitive because you're just fishing. But it's a very good game for I'm gonna just like put on a podcast, uh, enjoy a beverage, or watch a sporting event, but I also want to play a game. Oh man, this is that kind of game. I love it. That's wild. It's very fun. And I did, I looked up the visuals on that and it is very pretty. Speaking of boats. Speaking of boats. Speaking of boats. I've been playing a game called Spirit Fairer by Thunder Lotus Games. Came out in I'm, 2020. I'm so glad you brought this. I played like 45 minutes of this a couple months ago. Uh, and I'm, so, I'm uh, it's not that I didn't like it. I just had other stuff that I liked more. So I'm curious uh-huh. what you thought of this. So first of all, the thing that caught my eye i mean aside from the fact that it's very bright colors and you know it's just good to look at Mm -hmm. um the thing that caught my eye about this game in the nintendo store is the description like the little tagline on it said a cozy management game about dying and i was like this is my bread and butter um and I think that's an incredibly apt description of this game. Um, in the in Spiritfarer, you are taking over for Charon, the boatman of the River Styx. Um, he's that retiring. That was a really cool I interaction. I really liked that opening. It was. Cinematic. I love the way. I love the way they drew it. Um, it's so it's a it's a two D game, and it is a two D game that has a bunch of frame of of like drawn frames so the animation is really really smooth um mm-hmm. really it's got really very good to look um at. like cuphead vibes and it's, it's a, very it's, it's um, not like the 1950s aesthetic but it, it has that same that's fluidity yeah, yeah 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 um and it also like there's a lot something i really really appreciate i'm getting i'm digressing but something i really really appreciate about it um is that it's clear that a lot of thought has been put into the way these characters move. Um, they have really interesting idle animations. Uh, when you're just like hanging out your character, you've got this little ball of light that your power is controlled in and you pull some like sick Fushigi 
contact juggling shit with it when you're just like standing <laughs> around. Um, your cat has one and he plays with it uh, like uh, a ball. Uh, yeah. It's really, really good. Um, but yeah, so the, the... Did you did you like the, the controls? I think it feels really good. I think that's a big part of what is uh, what this game excels at is they really made it feel good to move around running and jumping and gliding in this space like that they have sort of a there's a sort of mini platforming element to it mm-hmm. and i think it's really i think it feels really good um, see i had part of the reason i mean i had other games i wanted to play mostly but part of the reason that i was like eh, i'll come back to this was i didn't i didn't enjoy moving in the game but i also didn't get very far so i was gonna say i would i would wait to pass judgment on that until you were a little bit further into the game. Just oh yeah, I should I should be clear. I have no opinions about Spirit Fairer. I did not play enough of it. Yeah, you're just I I think um because it, I I do really think obviously like we could have a different opinion on this. It's possible you just don't like the movement, but I do really think that's an area where it excels. Um, okay. so I I think maybe you just haven't gotten deep enough into having to move around because i love i'll just literally like the ship will be going somewhere and i'll just be jumping around like not accomplishing a task (laughs) just running in circles i started Um, playing uh breath of the wild again uh uh-huh uh and i just that just made me think of that how often in breath of the wild i just end up like i'm supposed to be doing something but what the hell's over here but i'm just gonna go climb a thing Mm -hmm. um very much that um but anyway, so in the plot, you you take over the job of the person who ferries souls to the afterlife. Um, but in the case of like this uh, this universe, you're in this sort of like limbo sort of thing, um, and you have to find the spirits which are like close to being ready to move on, and then like help them finish up the last of their like tasks that they want to do before they they pass on um and so what that amounts to in game is that you have this real big ship um and you build little houses for people to live in on it and you carry them around with you as you like sail through this really big map this game is huge i definitely thought i was gonna like just have this game knocked out um, I thought I was gonna finish this game in a in a couple days, and I uh, m- might be halfway through. <laughs> like, oh really? Yeah, I had the same idea big. when I first when I first started it. I was like, this game looks like you could finish it in a day or two. No. <laughs> oh. Um, which has been nice. I really like playing it. So you know, like, cool. I'm down. Um, and I think I I've. The longer I played it, especially after having played Heaven's Vault, I noticed a really interesting thing where some of my primary critiques of Heaven's Vault about how you spend so much time in transit and the places you go to aren't populated with very many things. um, That's also true in Spiritfarer. But the difference is that in Spiritfarer, the journey is the point. The, The destinations can be sort of sparse because... That's not really why you're going around, you know? Um, right. You're, you're going around for going around's sake. Right. Um, and the traveling is nice. It feels nice. There's tons of stuff to do. You can fish. You can 
uh, smelt metal you can... You can hug. I remember that. You can hug. You can hug everyone. (laughs) You can hug your cat. You can hug every single person on the ship. Um, The hug (laughs) animations are like... Are are very well thought through. They're Um, very good. The only one, the only one I saw was very good. The uh, like dear lady that you meet at the very beginning. Yes. Um. I really liked the characters immediately. Yes, it's really. Uh, I thought the characterization. I thought every character. I only met like four of them, but I thought every (laughs) single one of them was incredible. Like just from the jump. They're really. Um. I I will say, the only like critique and it's a very mild critique i'm like genuinely really enjoying the game um Mm -hmm. just nitpicking in that i do feel the storytelling method is really didactic (laughs) like there is no subtlety in what they are trying to get across they very much Mm -hmm. just have characters like tell you things yeah Um, and especially because like as you take them to when they decide they're ready to leave and you take them to the ever door and you're like in the little canoe together paddling them to the ever door a lot of times you really get this like now if you want to lead a good life stella here are the things you have to remember and you're just like okay (laughs) i get it thank you very much I hope you have a good time I, in the afternoon. Oh, good. I was I was wondering when the moral was going to show up. Right. Yeah. It it does very much do that. Um, it's not pretending to be something super subtle, so you know it's not a big deal. But it definitely uh-huh. you definitely have these characters that fit into these pretty rigid archetypes of like this is how this kind of person navigates the world, and here is the mm-hmm. wisdom they have to tell you from their mm-hmm. experience. <laughs> um. <laughs> But that's fine. Do you think it does that? Do you think it does that? Like, while that itself is uh, a critique, do you think the characters hold up for that sort of thing? Like, are they good enough? Um, I think so, because I do feel like, even though they definitely, like, lean on an archetype, um, I don't think it's egregious. I didn't find mm-hmm. them. Now, the it, it does become a little bit of a problem in that some of the later characters, and granted, I think you can get the characters in multiple orders, but just in the order I collected them, um, some of the later characters I collected, I found less likable. So I started to have this like group of people on my ship that I was like, God, when will you be ready to die? Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, aside from that, uh, I, I do think that they, I think they take them interesting places. I think they like populate their backstories in interesting ways they're just using these as like a framework and i think that's Mm -hmm. fair i think that's fine um i'm really enjoying it The, the it also like i said that there's always stuff for you to do and there are like mini games attached to each thing that you do um Mm -hmm. they're usually really simplistic they aren't tutorialized in most cases, which and, and they're usually really easy to pick up because just sort of the general language of gaming is you're like, oh, okay, I need to hold down a button or something to make this happen. But I do wonder what it would be like to pick this game up if you were like a total newbie to video games. I feel mm-hmm. like it might be not particularly friendly to you, especially because there are so many different types of mini games that work slightly differently. Um, so this is this is not a good video game to uh, introduce my parents to. I mean, I don't know is the thing. Like it's <laughs> so like on the one hand, to me, they feel very intuitive, but like I can't tell how much that intuition is like 
something I've developed over years of playing games, you know? Uh-huh. Um, there's also... Like a, a plus and a minus. They're it, very intuitive, but maybe not still not well explained enough. Yeah, and there's also maybe just too... Like, as, as much as I appreciate that there's so much to do, there's, like, maybe too many things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, okay. I, I, we don't have to do this again. I really just want... And, like, sometimes there are things that you have to, like, babysit. Like, there are things that you make that you have to actively make. There are things that you make that you just kind of, like, with cooking, you put shit in the oven and you walk away. Right, um, I remember that. I did get to cook. Yeah. But then there's other things that you don't really actively do a lot for, but you have to, like, babysit because if something, like... You have to make make sure it maintains what it's doing. Like, when you're foraging, you have to make sure the temperature in the forge stays the correct temperature, which requires very little action on your part. And so it's just like, okay. But it is it is a lot of standing there waiting to, to press a couple buttons. Yeah. Which, okay. in, it works in a way because you're <sighs> traveling to places, so you're in some ways just, like, passing the time until you hit landfall a lot of mm-hmm. times. So, like, it works. I, it's not exactly a problem. There's just a lot of it. And by the mm-hmm. time I got to the point where, like, I had 15 different, like, things. You know, I have, like, a crusher, a forge, a smelter. Uh, I love Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a field, a garden, an orchard. Um, you know, like, it's just like. Just, I just want to reiterate here that this game takes place on a ship. It does. It's on a big old boat. <laughs> um, I had sheep. I had sheep living on my boat. If you don't feed the sheep often enough, they will eat your crops. Um, <laughs> as is their right. As is their God-given right. Now I have a cow and some chickens. Um, it's a lot. But it's fun. It's a blast. I really enjoy it. I super feel like I got my money's worth for it. Um, I, I think it goes on sale quite a bit, too. I feel like I've seen I it I bought on it sale. on sale. Three so, or four times. yeah, I I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I will. Th- this is one I know I will be coming back to. Hopefully, be finishing. Good. I'm I'm glad that you're. Enjoy- I'm glad that not only that you're enjoying it, but that you have played it, so that I am now encouraged to pick it back up. I'll have to give it a, a another shot. I definitely um, encourage it. I think it's very much in that sort of. I don't want to. I feel like by comparing it to Stardew Valley, I'm sort of it, take. it can never it can never live up well well and it's just also not quite the same you know like it's, yeah it's, yeah 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 but it's that management sim sort of vibe of like mm-hmm. i need to water my crops and i need to check on this thing and i need to go to the sawmill and make some logs so i can build a new thing and you know like it, there's just that like juggling your resources kind of a mm-hmm. thing um and it's and it's very chill. There's like little to no consequences to anything, so it it fits in that Stardew Valley model of like thing that takes a lot of brain power but very little stress. You know, good podcast game. Good. Okay, I'm definitely gonna have to pick it up again. Speaking of resources, though, can I tell you about a game that I've been so excited to talk about? I cannot wait to hear about this. Please do. Uh, I have been playing. I've been playing this game for a long time, uh, long before I even decided that podcasting was a good idea. Um, maybe it still isn't. Back when the podcast was nothing but a twinkle in our eyes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I've been playing Factorio. Um, Factorio is a game that came 
out. It, it was released in early access in, I think, 2017 or 2018. Uh, came out of early access at the tail end of the summer of 2020. Um, it's a game that's probably going to sound and look boring. I'm, like, concerned that it will be hard to to talk about. But it is a base building and resource management game about building factor building and eventually automating factories um to take to like build a logistics chain that will allow you to eventually build a rocket ship um the the very bare the narrative is incredibly bare bones um you're a space engineer who has crash landed on some random planet um and you have basically a hammer and a furnace and you and your your know-how and you have to build just the way your, i like it you have to build yourself a rocket ship uh it has very much like minecraft vibes um not not in appearance but just like in in general gameplay it's one of those games that has not a lot of like goal there's like one goal but a bajillion ways to accomplish it um, so you start off with like patches of ore. Uh, you start off and you mine some iron ore. You put that ore into your furnace, and that furnace gives you iron plates. And then you can use those iron plates to build a mine that will make more ore faster than you can, and put it into the furnace automatically. Um, and then you can use those iron plates to build a mechanical arm, and that mechanical arm will pull the plates out of the furnace for you, and then you can go do something else. So the whole game is building these tiny little steps to automate things um, so that you can ultimately build what are called research packs. And each research pack has a, a recipe. So the very first one is your automation research pack, and it takes an iron gear and a copper plate. Um, but uh, iron gear takes two iron plates. So the very first automation, the very first research pack to make one of them takes three uh, iron, three plates. To give you an idea of how this expands, the next one in raw resources takes seven resources. So we go from two to seven. Oh, okay. But to do the research that you have to do you need something like 10, 30, 50, 150, 250 of these packs. Got some kittens vibes going on here. Very much, very much kittens vibes. Very much these like big interconnected production chains where the uh, iron plates become iron gears, become a mechanical arm, which becomes a level three mechanical arm, which you then combine with a level two transport belt, which then becomes another thing. And then that thing eventually becomes a science pack. Um, intermixed in all of that is pollution. Everything you build produces pollution. And uh -oh. <laughs> as, as the pollution spreads, uh, it does a couple of things. It damages the trees it uh, changes the color of the water and kills the fish in the water. Somebody um, call the fucking Lorax. <laughs> but also, the more important thing for Factor in the sense of Factorio is it pisses off the wildlife. Um, so the planet you're on has these alien things on it. The, the community refers to them as biters. I don't know if the game actually ever names them. Um, and 
once they have absorbed enough of your pollution, they will send a wave of aliens to come and attack your base. And that's direct so, action, baby. <laughs> right. So the the loop here is you start to build your base a little bit and your the cloud of pollution you are emitting eventually reaches the point where it affects the biters. The biters send a wave. You probably kill off the first couple, but also what happens is every time they absorb pollution, they um, uh, get what's called an evolution factor. And so over time, the waves of biters get more and more strong and intense. There will be more of them. They have more armor. They do more damage. Um, so playing Factorio feels kind of like uh, like balancing an Excel spreadsheet that is trying to <laughs> eat you um, <laughs> on a computer that you built out of like spare parts you had lying around your house. Incredible. And I, I, I it's one of those games that I, I feel like even if you look at it and watch someone play it, you're going to be like, why is this interesting? But there's something about being able to it's that like resource and inventory management. It, you're constantly untying knots. Uh, one of my favorite Steam reviews in the world is for Factorio, and it's from somebody who has like four or five hundred hours in the game. Uh, and the review just says, "Iron is bottlenecked again. I'll finish that and then go to bed." Uh, and other lies you will tell yourself. <laughs> it's it's the sort of game where like a single problem will will produce itself you'll have uh, a particular factory that isn't generating a certain amount of resources fast enough so you'll do just that you'll be like all right i've been playing for two hours but i know that i can go over there and fix that in like 15 minutes uh so you'll go over there and you'll build a couple more iron producers and you'll build you'll upgrade some conveyor belts and maybe expand the factory a little bit but then you'll do that and now the the Iron plate factory is producing more iron plates and faster, but now your iron gear factory is backed up. You're not you're not utilizing enough of those plates fast enough. So that 15 minutes then becomes 30 minutes because you're like, oh well, that'll only take me another 10, 15 minutes to fix that. Mm -hmm. And it's this really delicious loop of I have to build these factories and I have to optimize them and I have to defend myself from from the aliens who are mad at me for fucking up their planet. Now, what? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so I know because you have talked about this game in the past, not on the podcast, in real life, to me, a person mm -hmm. that you know. Um, yep. I, I know that you tend to, like, restart this game a lot. A lot. I have 190 hours in Factorio. Uh, those 190 hours is pro is me just playing up to like the there are nine levels of tech there are nine science packs to to unlock mm -hmm. I have never gotten past the second one so the first I don't know eight to ten hours of gameplay what is it about the game that makes you because you've obviously I mean you put a ton of hours in it so why why do you keep rebooting? Uh, well, so part of my the time that I have spent in the game, uh, like a certain amount of it is just fucking staring at the screen going, what the fuck do I do about this? <laughs> uh, so, you know, probably closer to like 170 hours, probably a solid 10, Oh, yes, 20 of hours. course, only 170 <laughs> um, hours. Um, <laughs> all right, fair. 
So part of it is that I actually haven't spent that long, but... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. To, to really answer the question, each map that you play on is randomized, and each map is infinite. It just spreads out forever. So a lot of times what will happen is I will reach the point where I have gotten about as far as I normally get, and I realize that I... Um, uh, I messed up somewhere and like a long time ago I'm eight hours in and at like hour two I built something wrong and so now everything is unoptimized and so my choices are uh, burn everything down or start over which is basically starting over either way so that's part of it another part of it is I don't like having biters I don't like playing with the aliens. I really, uh, I, I'm just not a big fan of like, I crash landed on your planet and now I'm also killing off your entire species and polluting the world. Yeah, it's not like great optics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so that sucks. So I start over a lot because uh, I often waffle between like, am I getting the full experience of this game? Maybe I'll start over with aliens, play a couple hours of that. Oh no, okay, I still don't really like aliens. You can also turn off even having like a player character. You can play in god mode essentially, in sandbox mode. So I'll, I'll bounce to sandbox mode and then I'll be like, oh well, okay, I kind of liked having the guy. And so what I eventually realized after 190 hours of time that I enjoyed was that what I really want from Factorio is the ability to have to manage my carbon footprint, essentially. That's what I really wanted, was more of an emphasis on pollution and how it was affecting the environment uh, and being able to expand without having to kill off an alien species that just happened to be in my way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, fortunately, Factorio, much like minecraft um and games of that nature is they like from the jump um oh i don't know if i mentioned it's developed by woob software or maybe wooby w-u-b-e it's super fun to say um woob from the beginning has made their like api for developing mods for the game very accessible so there's been a modding community a really really strong modding community for this game from the jump so, thankfully, after 190 hours of digging through the mods, I've pretty much got the game to the point where I've got about uh, 15 hours into my most recent playthrough, and it's probably the most I've put into any playthrough, and I like really want to stick with it and actually build my way all the way through it, because I've removed the military technology without removing... Um, there are some pieces of tech that are tied to the military tech tree that aren't necessarily things that you would need for military stuff. You can get like personal battery packs and night vision goggles. Um, and I've also got mods now that allow me to build air purifiers and to utilize the um, like pollution I'm putting out as uh, to like collect it from the atmosphere and turn it into burnable fuel. So oh, I've, cool. I've turned Factorio into the game I really want to play and while that, I think, could easily be a critique, for me, I think the base game is already so fun. Like, without having modded it, I still 
played probably, uh, you know, of ha- half of my playtime probably is in the base game. I probably played 80 or 90 hours of unmodded Factorio mm-hmm. or, or only very lightly modded Factorio. Um, so I, I just really like that. I mean, I really like the game. I love it really scratches that itch of inventory management and like moving pieces. You can zoom out really far on the play area. And so you, you get this really beautiful, uh, especially at night. I have a couple of mods that add extra lights, but even without them, your base will light up as uh, certain machines uh, operate or as your furnaces burn, you'll see the fire in them. So you can zoom out really far and you can put lamps down and you get this really beautiful kind of panorama of this like almost Rube Goldberg machine that's just moving all over the screen that you built. You built... Every single bit of it you built. When you start a game of Factorio, there is nothing built for you. And so eight hours in, when you have this massive factory that is churning out a hundred, you know, science packs every minute, you just, there's a really, really good sense of, of, like, I did this. (laughs) Everything the light touches is your production line. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The factory must grow, and it grows by my hand. It's it's a game that much, I mean, we're talking about Stardew Valley again, but much in the same vein, even though it's a video game, it makes me kind of feel like I'm working with my hands or I'm Mm. I'm managing a creation that, like, I'm keeping it all together. I love that feeling. Um, And so you really get to kind of nurture this thing and watch it grow. I, I, yeah, I really love it. Um, it's kind of unapproachable. <laughs> I've noticed there's, that about it. I have unapproached a, it. There's a certain, um, if, if me talking about it has uh, somehow managed to pique your interest, you, you can play the demo. You need, unless you are 100,000% certain you will like this game, you should play the demo. Mm-hmm. Um Partly because it's got, it's like kind of unapproachable. There's there's a lot to think about. There's so much logistics and supply chains to consider that like it, it's just a lot of stuff. And there's not like objectives. You mm-hmm. start the game. It says build a rocket, and that's what you do. Um, and also, it never goes on sale. It's a thirty dollar game. It never goes on sale. It's like part of their business model. Uh, the, it's like a, a meme in the Factorio gaming community is it the game just doesn't go on sale. Um, so it's a it's worth thirty dollars. I, like I would have paid fifty dollars for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they had like an incredible early access. They've done nothing but support the game for a year or, or for like two or three years. They spent the last like eight months doing nothing but uh, quality of life and graphical polishes. Uh, it's very much obviously made by a company that cares about the game. Um, but because it is a little unapproachable and because it is on the high end, um, I highly recommend that you play the demo before you play it. Um, but if if you like... If the words conveyor belt heaven mean anything to you, this is the game you want to play. <laughs> I definitely... you You have made me want to play the demo which is i i kind of like had written off factorio for a while um so i'm i'm definitely gonna look into it now it's definitely a game i think that's in the same it's not nearly as unapproachable as something like dwarf fortress but it's in that same vein of like it's kind of a very specific game for a very specific type of person 
Mm-hmm. It's, 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 yeah. It's, if you like Minecraft very much, I think if you like Minecraft, you'll like Factorio. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, uh, it feels kind of like Minecraft for, uh, like, I don't know, adults? Adults is wrong, because <laughs> Minecraft is for adults. Grown up uh, Minecraft. It, yeah, it's just like a, like a more, I don't know. If Minecraft is a delicious light beer, Factorio is a, a, a like, scotch. And if you look to your left, you can see Jordan digging themselves a hole at the Minecraft community. Deeper and deeper. Hey, I really like Minecraft, for the record. I have have also played, like, 200 hours of Minecraft. Uh, Anyways, I love Factorio, and I hope other people will play it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put my wordsmith pin away before uh, I'm done. I'm done now. Now you talk. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> thank you for that beautiful passing of the of the baton. Um, so first of all, before I even get into the game, I want to say that the developer of the last game I brought is called Agro Crab, which is the best developer name <laughs> I've I, ever uh, seen. Yeah, I think I might change my name. Yeah, I'm like Agro Crab now. I think that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's that. Um, <laughs> uh, this game came out in 2020. It's called Going Under. Internships are heck. Um, it is a roguelike dungeon crawler. Um, the concept of which being, of course, it is. Yes, of yes. course, it is. The internships of course it's are called heck. Internships are heck, and it's a roguelike dungeon crawler. Yes, yes, that's yes, exactly yes, what yes, I yes, expected yes, when yes, you yes, said yes, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's exactly what uh, the main character expected too, and by that I mean it's not. Um, so she shows up, you show up for your first day of work at this sort of soulless, um, it, it's a soda company, it's called Fizzle, um, but it's very much got that, like, startup with too much money and not enough sense kind of vibe. Everything okay. is very aesthetic. Um, it's very bright, uh, very colorful. They've utilized, you know when uh, Facebook gives you an ad and it's these like weird noodly hyper color cartoon people um yeah okay i think i know you i haven't been on facebook in a very long time i know you haven't but But, like they they crypt that look very very specifically like they they wanted to invoke that vibe um and so you show up to your first day at work and you're like, all right, I'm, you know, I, I have my marketing degree. I'm excited to do be a marketing intern at Fizzle. And uh, the guy who runs Fizzle, who has some big Jeff Bezos vibes aesthetically, um, is like, cool. Uh, so there's uh, some goblins coming up from the dungeon. And it would be real cool if you could go kill them for me. And <laughs> you're like, go. Ah, what? Ah, uh, yes, goblins at my soda company. And and you're like, I can't, I can't kill people. And he's like, Oh, don't worry, they're not people, they're goblins. You got it. <laughs> um. <laughs> and so, so you go down a slide, and you go down a slide to a place. Hold called- on, wait, wait, stop. Yes. You can't just nonchalantly <laughs> drop in. You go down a slide. <laughs> I know you really wanted to try and skedaddle past that. <laughs> Did. I understand I'm burying the lead here, but a slide? Yes. Um. So all of the other... So in Fizzle, there are these little s- slides um, uh-huh. to other businesses 
that uh, take place in the building. Um, businesses like there's a dating site and a cryptocurrency site. Um, and there's a place called Joblins. Um, and, and Joblins is a failed startup company. <laughs> Um, <laughs> run by goblins who occasionally c- climb up the ladder and bother the fiddle people. <laughs> I've killed Jordan. <laughs> oh, I need to hold on. Uh huh. I murdered Jordan. Joblins. Joblins. So you you pop down the slide to Joblins. Um, uh-huh. and f- next of all, so you're just kind of panicked. Um, and then also, every- yeah, but what's the game like? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, thank you. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, <laughs> so everything is a physics object and it's an office. So you like pick up a keyboard and is go it, uh, ham on some goblins. Is it 3d? Yes. Okay. Um, you just home row some goblins, huh? Yeah, you pick up a, a a pencil, just murder the fuckers. This feels like um, control, but like only in the sense that like everything's a physics object and you can throw it at people. <laughs> yes, in that sense, it is like control. I'm, also, it's I'm, an office that is bad. Is a bad wrong office. I mean, that's control. <laughs> yeah. Same game. Absolutely. <laughs> They're definitely the same game. Same game. Um, so, Are you sure this wasn't made by Remedy? I mean, <laughs> Agro Crab, Remedy. Um, same mouth sound. <laughs> same letters. It's fine. Um, so the I will say the combat is like really, really floaty. Um, I played it for probably 15, 20 hours and like... N- never really felt like I had a good grasp on the combat system. Um, Okay. Because it's just very, I mean, like I got through four dungeons. So like, I guess I was doing okay, but like, I, I just like, (laughs) I didn't, it, 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 it always feels a little out of control. And I think that's on purpose. Like, because you're not supposed to be a warrior. You're a marketing intern who has been sent to fight, demons and goblins and skeleton people um it's pretty funny it's got some good humor um i mean it definitely is living in that like we're satirizing rich startups tech startup space um i'm always here for that that's very good um the it's a really good podcast game because you you can do dungeon runs over and over um and sometimes you have to to complete various like tasks um and so you just like go down the slide as many times as you got it and you put on a good podcast (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i enjoyed it i the reason i didn't i didn't finish it the reason i didn't finish it is the the like final dungeon is set up entirely different from all of the other dungeons in the game and uh, just kind of sucks to go through. I just don't That's, enjoy hey, it. Hey, I'm going to interrupt you real quick because this is a thing that I feel like I just want to listen to me, future video game developers. Get in close to your your speakers. <laughs> your here. headphones. Push them on if, your ears. If, if you reach the point where you get to the final level of your video game, 
and somebody in your development team says, hey, you know what we should do? We should throw out every other mechanic that we've introduced so far and make a whole different level for the very end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Don't do that. Carry on, Ash. Uh, but yeah, that's the vibe. It's just that like the final dungeon sucks to go through. The final boss is pretty difficult. And so I have died to it several times and I don't mind dying to the final boss, but like the process of get it because it's a roguelike, it means that I have to start back at the beginning of that dungeon mm -hmm. and I don't want to go through that dungeon over and over to fight that boss. So I've gone through it, I think three times and I almost got him the last time. And then I was just like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't keep doing this. Also, I, I got games to play. Also, I got Spiritfarer and uh, was busy giving hugs. Giving hugs. But it's a, but like going under was solid. I think I paid like thirteen bucks for it. It's certainly worth thirteen bucks. It's mm -hmm. it's a you know brightly colored weird little roguelike. Um, I had a good time with it. Maybe someday I'll beat that fucking boss. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to pick this up just because it has joblins in it. Yes, the joblins are good. the The humor is solid. It's very it's gay. It's you know like it's a good time. <laughs> That's good. It's worth mentioning all three of the games I brought are gay. I didn't talk about it with the other two, but we we have gays in all of the all it's, four it, corners of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Everything the light touches is gay. <laughs> yes. It's, it's pretty safe, safe to, to assume, assume that if I've, I've bought we a We both are game. about to say the same thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since we've done that. Uh-huh. Getting back in sync. <laughs> okay. Do we want to... That's it, right? We got we got some... some Housekeeping yeah, we got, here at the got end. Got some housekeeping to do here at the end. Um, I want to give a mention to our friend Lino. He uh, is a, a listener of the podcast, but he also streams on Twitch. You can find him at twitch.tv slash Lino Howdy, L-I-N-O-H-O-W-D-Y. He recently streamed uh, Disco Elysium. And it was a great time. I and deeply enjoyed it. It was a great it. time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Friend um, of the pod. Good good at Chan video game. Chances are pretty good he will end up streaming more games that we talk about. So um, <laughs> I highly recommend you give him a follow. Um, I also wanted to real quick just mention, because uh, I forgot about this, and I was really glad to rediscover it. Um, last year during the summer... Uh, itch.io ran a uh, racial justice bundle so you could you could make could pay like I think the minimum was 10 bucks or something uh, and when they first started it it was like 10 games and then a bunch of game developers and and then it was uh, thousands of games yeah tabletop RPG developers there's um, asset like video game assets I just want to remind anybody who might have gotten that that there are some dope games in there and you should crack that back up and, and take a look at it if uh, if that's your thing if you're looking for some video games I definitely I paid, need to get back in there I paid thirteen dollars and twelve cents for it <laughs> Ay. Ay. Uh, we also have our first listener question do we want to do that now or do we want to do that in the next episode um hmm it is related to the next episode. 
Yeah, let's save it for let's the next one. Let's save it for one. the next one. So our next episode is about uh, the Supergiant game Bastion, like we said last time. Uh, so if you have any listener questions that you want answered about Bastion, uh, you should send them to dodgebuttonpod at gmail.com or give us a DM on Twitter at dodgebutton. Our theme song is BitQuest by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on your favorite podcatcher. Just search Dodge Button Podcast. Uh, please, please, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe, especially on iTunes, because that's the driving force. Also, more importantly than that, tell your friends. Please. Tell people you know about the pod. Please uh, if tell you want. your friends. If you don't want to, maybe tell us why, but like nicely so that we can fix it. Please, please, please be gentle. Uh, Anyways, I've been Jordan Hamilton. I've been Ash Vernon. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. I love you. Bye, Ash. I love you.